What the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad he came to church today? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. I'm no longer a slave to fear. But now, I'm a child of God. Amen. I don't know about you, I'm thankful that he split the sea so I can walk through it. All of my fears are drowned in his perfect love. Amen. He rescued us. He rescued us so we can stand, sing, proclaim that we are children of God. Amen. The scripture says, to as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the rights to become children of God. Children not born of flesh or the will of man, but children born of God. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Read it again. I will be a father to you. Maybe you never knew your earthly father. But the Father in heaven says, I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and you will be my daughters. We are sons and daughters of the king. Amen. Amen. We are sons and, and daughters of God. In Jesus' final words with his disciples in John 16, he said, For the Father himself loves you dearly. For the Father himself loves you dearly. Jesus taught for three years. And we have over 25,000 words recorded in the word of God. The words of Christ in red. Most of our Bibles on 161 occasions, Jesus talks about his father in heaven. And in his final words to his disciples, he says, for the father himself loves you dearly. Church, can I tell you, we are loved by God. You may think no one has ever loved me. Can I tell you, church, God loves you. And God cares for you and God has a plan for you. So it's so important to remember in moments when we feel unloved and unimportant and, and insecure. It's, it's important to remember to whom we belong and we belong to God. Amen. And heaven is our eternal home. Amen. We belong to God and we are safe in his arms. And heaven is our home. Again, thank you to Teen Challenge, New Jersey. You minister to us, and God is good. Would you just thank Teen Challenge once again for being with us this morning? We've been set free, amen? We've been rescued. We've been redeemed by the power of God. The scripture says, he that the Son sets free is free indeed. And I say it all the time, but I'm thankful that God's army still uses wounded soldiers. Amen? And I'm thankful that there's a place in God's kingdom for men and women who have been battered by the storms of this life. And I'm thankful that God can turn broken pieces into masterpieces. And I'm thankful that the scripture says that God makes everything beautiful in his time. Some of you here today were broken, but now you're blessed. Some of you were wounded, but now you worship. Some of you were damaged, but now you're devoted. Some of you were once shattered 
matter, but today you sing. Some of you were hurting, but now you're healed. Some of you were perplexed, but now you praise. And like Jacob, some of you here today, you're walking around with a limp because you wrestled with sin. You wrestled with the world, and some of you are carrying around the battle scars and the wounds, and the limp is a reminder of where you've been. The limp is a reminder of of what you've done. The limp is a reminder of the heartache and the pain and the hurt and the challenges that came. But more importantly, the limp is a reminder of the faithfulness and the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. It's a reminder how God can turn our mess into a message and how God can turn our test into a testimony and how God can turn our trial into a triumph. We have been set free. We have been changed by the power of God. And the scripture says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and we overcome by the word of our testimony. If you're thankful that God has set you free, would you give God just a mighty hand clap of praise? Amen. Come on, give God praise today. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. God is good. Amen. If you have your Bibles open to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 73. I recognize the hour and the time, and so I'm not going to keep you long this morning. I'm thankful to be able to stand and minister the word of the Lord, and I mean that. Thankful to be able to stand. Many of you know that I have a thorn in the flesh. Many of you know that I suffer with severe gout uh, in my feet, and when you suffer with gout, there are two things that happen. You have flare-ups, and you can, you can handle and deal with the flare-ups, and then you have attacks. And when you have attacks, you, you basically become immobile. And Friday morning, I, I, I felt a flare-up come on. I had to pick a, our pastor turned 50 yesterday, man. Did anyone know that? Happy birthday to our pastor. He's not here. He's celebrating in Florida. I picked him up at his house 6 o'clock in the morning his entire family, and I said, I don't think you want me driving you to the airport this morning. He said, well, how about I drive myself to the airport? Do you think you can get home? I said, I think I can get home on cruise control. I'll just kind of take it easy. Uh, By midday, I was not able to walk. I could not walk. I could not stand. I was crawling around the house, up and down the steps, and um, had to call the doctor, and the doctor had to put me on a strong dosage uh, of steroids, and I, I went to bed Friday in a lot of pain. My, my ankle was three times the size. It looked like I had a softball right in my ankle. That's why I was, wasn't able to, to walk or stand. I woke up Saturday morning. God is good, and most of the inflammation was gone. Amen. And I wasn't able to put my shoes on Saturday, so I wore my slippers all day. But, but I'm thankful to the Lord I got my shoes on today. Amen. But if I, if I feel the spirit, I might just kick the shoes off this morning, if that's okay. Amen. My wife is not here this morning. We got a phone call last night that her mother was admitted into the stroke unit at Virtua Memorial Hospital. We don't know all of the details. Um, she's there with her mom this morning. So I would just um, ask you to pray for my mother-in-law. And this is uh, my wife's uh, mother. If you have your Bibles, uh, Psalms chapter 73, today, today is a day of encouragement, amen. I just want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to leave strengthened. I want you to leave inspired 
in the Lord today. Psalm 73, we're going to look at verse 25. It says, whom have I in heaven but you? There's none upon the earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail. Have you ever been there? My flesh, my heart, they fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Bow your heads. Father, there are times when our heart and our flesh will fail us. There are times when we will hit rock bottom. There are times when we will stumble and we will fall. There are times, God, when discouragement, depression sets in. We don't know where to go. We don't know who to turn to. But we're thankful, God, that you are the strength of our hearts and our lives and our portions forever. God, the balance of this service and our time together has been set apart to the preaching and the reading of your holy word. And I pray, God, your word would go forth with boldness and clarity and accomplish its intended purpose. We thank you for it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. This psalm was not written by David. This psalm was written by Asaph. Asaph is the leader of the temple choir for, for David and for Solomon. So he is the choir director. Sister Lorraine, this is you. This is the choir director for David and for Solomon. Scripture says he prophesied according to the order of the king. And there are three divisions that are found in this chapter. I'm just going to give you the context, but we're going to really just focus on verse 25 and 26. There are really three divisions that you will find in this chapter. They're best understood by the dominant pronouns within. Here's the first division. It should be on the screen for you this morning. Asaph is envious of the boastful when he sees the prosperity of the wicked. The dominant pronoun is they. You'll see they. The first part of this chapter. He even begins by saying, God is good to Israel. But as for me, I almost stumbled. I almost tripped and fell because I was envious of the boastful when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. The, the second division, Asaph will describe his own frustrated thinking. And this is found in the dominant pronoun, I. And then the third division in Psalms 73 is towards the end of the chapter. He finds the resolution to the promise. Or to the problem. And the dominant pronoun is you in the sense of God. And can I tell you, church, when you focus on they, and when you focus on I, you're always going to have problems in this life. But when you focus upon God, when you fix your eyes upon Christ Jesus, when you get your eyes off of others, off of the problems, off of the situations, you'll experience the peace of God. Amen? The peace of God in your heart and in your life. Look at verse 25. He said, whom am I, whom am I in heaven but you? This is a longing heart for God and for eternity. See, Asaph knew there was much for him in heaven. He was the choir director. And he often sang 
about heaven. He sang about, about the glories of God and about the majesties of God. And we know that heaven, there's going to be angels and there's going to be dwelling places and there's going to be streets of gold and there's going to be the companionship of the people of God through all the generations. Yet all of this paled in light of the presence of God. He said, whom have I in heaven but you? Then he said, there's none upon earth I desire beside you. There is none upon earth that I desire beside you. God was both his inheritance in heaven and his earthly desire. And what Asaph was saying is, I don't need to be in the clique. And I don't need to be in the club. And I don't have to have the title. I don't have to have the promotion. I don't need all of the stuff. I don't need the homes and the cars and the clothing. He said, God, all I want and my earthly desire is you. God is the desire and the longing of his heart. Do you know what he was saying when he said, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside you. What he was saying is this. You're all I want in heaven. And you're all I want on earth. Amen. You're all I want in heaven. And you're all I want on earth. Is that you today? And the same be said of you church we've got to get to that place where Christ means more to us than anything this world has to offer we need a passionate desire for God and for more of his presence amen take this whole world but leave me Jesus amen then look at verse number 26 he said my flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Asaph recognized three things in verse number 26. Number one, he recognized his weakness. Number two, he recognized the strength of God. Number three, he recognized the enduring character of God's strength. I want to start with his weakness. You see, there are times in life when our hearts and our flesh will fail. Remember, this is someone who's in the faith. This is not someone outside of the faith. This is someone in the faith who was used mightily by God. Remember, Asaph was instrumental in the worship and the praise and the thanksgiving to the Lord. The scripture actually tells us in the Chronicles that when they brought the ark into the temple before the, uh, Solomon's temple was dedicated, the scripture says that Asaph led all of the musicians and Asaph led all of the singers in worship and praise to God and they sang for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and the scripture says a cloud came upon them and in a powerful way and then Solomon prayed and he dedicated the temple and the scripture says the glory of God was so powerful that the priests were not able to minister Remember, we're talking about someone inside of the faith who found himself on the brink of collapse. He found himself on the brink of failure where, where things can't get any worse, where life no longer makes sense. Asaph no longer has the strength or the power to stand. When you get to this point, it's not just a problem. It's where all of your problems seem to converge into a single moment where life begins to close in. 
Job had a season where his heart and his flesh failed him. He was a righteous man of God so down, the scripture says. He longed for death. He was so crushed by grief and sorrow that he lost his will to live. His children were killed by a tornado. He lost his wealth. He lost his influence. He lost his good name. His friends forsook him. Everyone that he had helped turned against him. His wife accused him of bringing the trouble upon himself. Not one person cared for Job. And looking into the future, all Job could see was pain and tears and loneliness and emptiness and besides all of the battles a physical infirmity fell upon him he developed cancerous sores from head to toe and so spiritually physically financially in every way Job was down there were moments when he said I'm coming out of it there were moments when he thought I can see light at the end of the tunnel a few more days a few more weeks And everything will be just fine. And instead of his burden lifting, it got heavier. Just when he thought the battle was over, it worsened. What was Job saying? Job was saying, my heart and my flesh are failing. Jeremiah the prophet had many moments like this as well. There was a time when the king put him in a pit. He was shocked. He was confused. He had been truthful. He'd been obedient to the Lord. He had done nothing to deserve this imprisonment. And he experienced that hedged-in feeling. And in Lamentations, he said, my chains are getting heavier. And he said, there's a wall of stone in every direction. There's uncertain roads ahead and a crooked path. Keep in mind, this is the same Jeremiah whom Christ so often quoted. And how could a prophet of God who thundered against kings and nations fall into such turmoil and despair, and depression. Keep in mind, Jeremiah knew what it was to hear from God, and he knew what it was to spend time with God. He knew what it was to meet with God, but now he's down. He's way down. He's lonely. He's feeling rejected. He lost his spiritual composure. He believed that God no longer cared for him, and that God no longer heard his cries. In Lamentations chapter 3, he said, my strength and my hope is gone. I wonder how many of us this morning can relate to the agony of Jeremiah when he was down. Maybe you're here today. You're saying, God, I'm at the end of myself. I can't take it anymore. I can't get any lower than I am right now. I can't understand it. When will this darkness pass? King David hit rock bottom after he committed adultery. With Bathsheba, his friends and family turned against him. His good reputation was lost. This great man of God who killed giants, who led massive armies to victory, who pulled the limbs of lions and bears apart. He referred to himself as a lonely bird, just wasting away. He was bleeding emotionally, spiritually. He'd come to the end of himself, and all he was looking for in life, all he was looking for was a little comfort. And a little peace. Look at Psalm 69 in verse 20. I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none. And I looked for comforters, but I found none. I believe as in this moment a voice deep within him cried out, walk away. Walk away. Just pack it all in and escape. You've had enough. Don't take it for another minute. What happened? His heart and his flesh began to fail. Have you ever been at this point, church? Maybe some of you 
or at this point, even today, Pastor Joe, my heart and my flesh, they're failing me. I don't know how much more I can endure. I can't hear this. But church, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned when our hearts and our flesh begin to fail. I've learned this. Sometimes God lets us hit rock bottom so we discover that he is the rock at the bottom. Amen? And often when we have nothing left but God, we discover that God is enough. And God is all we need. And this is what happened to Asaph when his heart began to fail. One thing we know about God is this church, he's not threatened by our circumstances. And he's not threatened by our situations. He's a grave-robbing, water-walking, miracle-working, death-defying God. And he's able to pull us up or pull us through any situation we face. And here in this text, there are two words. Two words that are found in the scripture that we read this morning that should cause us all to shout and to get excited about God. Two words. Now, there are a number of powerful two-word phrases found in the word of God. Phrases such as healed all or gathered in, or cast out, or, or raised up, or, or pulled down. And these phrases all speak of the power of God. However, there's one phrase that's found in the Word of God 43 times, and it's the most powerful phrase of them all, and it's the phrase, but God. But God. And can I tell you, church, but God is found at the heart of the gospel. There's no more powerful conjunction found in scriptures than but God. You see, but God is the bottom line. But God is the last word. And these words have changed countless lives through history. They've changed my life. They've changed many of you today. Some of you shouldn't be here today, but God intervened. Some of you should have been lost a long time ago, but God gave you a second chance. Some of your relationships were damaged, but God restored you. You see, but God stands diametrically opposed to the negative roar that's found in this world. The world says no, but God says yes. The world says can't, but God says can. The world says won't, but God says will. The word says stop, but God says go. The world says defeat, but God says victory. Can I tell you, church, but God climbs the highest mountain. It traverses the darkest valley, and it sings songs of victory in the midnight hour the phrase is short but can I tell you church the implications are huge and the implication is this no matter how bleak or boring or bitter your life may seem right now your story is not yet over because of these two words that are found at the heart of the gospel but God you think one thing but God knows another you feel trapped but God can free you you see no way out but God provides a way you hunger for more but God satisfies you beyond your wildest dreams you fear change but God is the same yesterday today and forever whatever your first half phrase might be for Asaph it was my heart and my flesh may fail maybe for you today it's your sickened body maybe for you today it's your marriage is falling apart maybe for you today it's you have family members and children who aren't serving God whatever your first half phrase might be but God opens 
up new possibilities, ones you can't even imagine. And But God reminds us that he's bigger than any trial. He's bigger than any trouble. He's bigger than any turmoil in which we find ourselves. We wonder, but God finds us. We're wounded, but God heals us. We're insecure, but God gives us confidence. We search for identity, but God gives us purpose. We lose our way, but God guides us. We're bound, but God sets us free. We're tempted, but God delivers. We don't have enough, but God provides for us. We see impossible, but God makes all things possible. Two little words, church. Two little words. The divine pivot point that changes everything. But God, I came to tell you this morning that the jury might still be out on your situation. All of the votes are not in yet. They may not all be counted, but God hasn't had his final say. There is hope. There is freedom. There's a bright future if you just trust him. But God changes everything. Three things I try to remind myself when my heart and my flesh begin to fail me. And it's this. God is great. God is bigger. And God is able. Would you say it with me this morning? God is great. God is bigger. And God is able. Say it one more time. God is great. God is bigger. And God is able. Whenever you feel discouraged, look up some of the but God verses and be reassured of God's involvement in the lives of those who love him. Let me give you some verses this morning if that's okay. Genesis chapter number 50 and verse 20. You meant evil against me but God meant it for good in order to save many people alive. Look at Psalms 49 and verse 14. Their beauty shall be consumed in the grave but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Look at the heart of the gospel. Romans chapter 5. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Look at Acts chapter 7 in verse number 9. And the patriarchs becoming envious, they sold Joseph into Egypt. Not a good day for Joseph. But the scripture says, but God was with him. Look at Acts chapter 13 and verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. Church, can I tell you, you may have weaknesses, but God has strength. You may have sin, but God has grace. You may fail, but God remains faithful. The struggle is real, but can I tell you, so is God, church. Life is hard, but God is good. Life happens. Tears get shed. Hearts get broken, but God restores. People will let you down, but God will never let you down. Man says, show me and I'll trust you. But God says, trust me and I'll show you. And can I tell you, church, if you follow his ways, if you let him lead you, if you seek after his will, you will find that there's no one else that can do like he can but God. If you're thankful for but God, would you give him praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Come on, worship team. Come on. Let's wrap this up. Verse 26b. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. There are many metaphors that describe a relationship with God. God is described as a rock, refuge. He's described as our shepherd. He's described as a fortress. 
But one of the most powerful metaphors for God found in the scripture is the word portion. And we don't really use the word portion outside the context of food and what we're eating. This is my portion for this meal. This is my portion for today. But in the word of God, portion is rich in meaning. The scripture can refer to someone's share in the meal or part of the sacrifice or a soldier's share of the plunder or someone's inheritance. But when the word is used to describe God, it takes on a whole new depth of meaning. You have to remember that Asaph is of the tribe of Levi. And you have to go back to the Old Testament to understand the context. Do you remember when God divided up the land to the 12 tribes of Israel? God gave, gave, gave this tribe that land, this tribe, this piece of land. But he turned to the Levites and he said, there's no land for you. He said, I'm going to be your portion. And I'm going to be your inheritance forever. God gave them cities. God gave them the meat from the sacrifice, some of the sacred tithes. They served in the temple. He said, no land, because I'm going to be your portion. And I'm going to be your inheritance forever. Here in Psalm 73, Asaph looks around. He sees how unfair this world seems to be. And Asaph remembers that he's only a pilgrim on earth. That he has an inheritance. He has a portion that's greater than any of the wealth in the world. His portion is God himself. We live in a world that's increasingly filled with trouble, violence, sorrow all around. It's easy to become discouraged when the circumstances that we face daily as Christians. But can I tell you, church, it's helpful to remember that God, Almighty God, He is our portion. And if we have Him, we need nothing else. Amen. Amen. Lamentations 3. Verse 24, I say to myself, this is Jeremiah, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Whom have I in heaven but you? There's none I desire on earth beside you. My heart and my flesh, they fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. If you're thankful that for that promise today, come on church, let's stand to our feet. Come on. Come on, we're going to stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Come on, just just begin to lift your hands this morning. Come on, lift your hands if you're thankful for but God.